Hello and welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. I am Stella and we are recording live on Instagram at Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC. Um, I wanted to jump in and start talking about it because I've been talking about this topic like all week long. Um, and so I just had a lot of thoughts about all the things. Um, so for those of you who don't know me personally, I am a giant nerd. And by that, I mean, I really enjoy science and science fiction. Um, and so I integrate a lot of that into like how I work, the science and the science fiction kind of. Um, and so I was listening to some podcasts. Uh, Trevor Noah has a new podcast called uh, What Now? And um, he interviews a lot of really cool people, but he interviewed Sam Altman, who is the father of ChatGPT and AGI or um, artificial general intelligence, right? So super interesting conversation between the two of them. And as I was listening to this podcast, and there were two more, um, he also talked to Tristan Harris, uh, who is an um, electronic ethicist or um, a... AI ethicist. Anyway, he talks about the ethics of, uh, he also did the social dilemma or the, the movie on Netflix about social networking, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, super exciting conversations that were happening. And one of the things that kind of came up in this, uh, podcast was, um, Trevor Noah asked Sam Altman what he would think is like the pinnacle of artificial intelligence, the way we know it now, um, and he said for the, you know, the AI to have a general awareness of a four-year-old. And then he referred to parenting and he talked about parenting as programming. Um, and admittedly, this is a very smart, like intelligent, science-driven human uh, who is, you know, kind of in the forefront of creating this concept of artificial intelligence. Um, but he talked about programming and parenting and that blew my mind because I was thinking about our emotional intelligence and what separates us from, you know, robots and computers is that we get programming and reprogramming on a regular basis. Um, but specific to our emotional awareness and intelligence, there's the instinctual part. And then there is this higher awareness the humanity of who we human beings are um, in terms of how we process and program our emotional awareness. And um, I've talked about it before. And so certainly, you know, most of us, especially in this country, at least, have learned like mad, sad and glad. Those are the three emotional awarenesses that we have. Um, and in terms of like how we process emotion, most of us were raised with like either you're happy or you're sad or you're mad. And mad is just anger, but we've talked about like resentment and all of the other feelings that are under anger. Um, and so I just thought about this idea of reprogramming. So I kept having conversations around it and really thinking about how our reprogramming or constant programming is, um, it is a very conscious effort for the most part. Um, and then there's an unconscious effort. And so that unconscious effort is the things that we experience through our lives that add to our emotional context and really recognizing that some of it we have control over and some of it we don't. And so I think about the instincts of babies. Um, the startle reflex is something that tiny, tiny, tiny brand new humans have. And if you make a loud noise or, you know, do something, they, their arm, the startle response is they put their arms out and they, their eyes get big. Um, and so even without any context of what it is to be on this planet, all, all babies do that. Um, and, you know, humans to whatever degree, 
do that as well. Um, and certainly, you know, we can we can maybe not have it as significant, but anytime there's a large, like big noise, um, a lot of times we will startle, right? And so there's instincts that we have, like falling. Um, there's a lot of uh, research of, you know, babies like having a hard time, like crossing a bridge or doing whatever. And so, you know, they, we have natural instincts and then we have emotional instincts and those instincts are programmed or, you know, taught to us by our, the adults, the adults who, you know, we experience, I can't always say parents cause that's not always the case, but you know, the first adults in our experience. And so they teach us how to be aware of our emotions. Right. And some people do a really great job of it. And some people kind of fumble it based on their own experience and programming. And so it is this, this thing that I recognize our brains integrate information and we do it on a regular basis. Um, and then we process emotions. Now, if we're not ever taught how to process emotions, we just kind of wing it. And um, I was having a conversation with a girlfriend yesterday at dinner. Um, and we were talking about like how our parents raised us, how we raised our kids, and then what that's going to look like, you know, for our kids moving forward. And there's so much information that we have access to on a whole different level at this point. Um, I grew up with like hardback encyclopedias. <laughs> um, and, you know, we talk about Gen X of like, we grew up without, you know, cell phones and internet and all the things. And then now we have all of this stuff. And so we've had to like re- process our brains to be able to wrap around access to information in that way. And so we think about, when I think about emotional evolution, a lot of times our parents only had three or four tools, right? Um, and so we were talking about this idea. She's a builder. She, um, she has actually a couple different contract uh, construction companies. And so she's a builder. So we use that metaphor often. Uh, but we were talking about our parents and how they probably had maybe three tools. Um, they had a hammer they had a measuring tape and maybe a screwdriver um, and a saw, four tools, um, in terms of their emotional awareness. And you can build a house with those four tools. It's going to take a while, but, you know, that's a thing. And certainly she and I have, and, you know, we'll say generationally, we have more tools because we have more access to information. And, you know, sometimes we integrate it, sometimes we don't. Totally up to us. Um, but my job, and I've talked about in therapy specifically, is to give clients tools to increase their awareness about their emotional responses, about how they are processing feelings. So it's, it's a, our brain, we'd refer to it as a computer often, requires reprogramming and updates. And um, I was having a conversation with my roommate as I was taking her to the airport this morning, and she was like trying to get herself ready for this trip. And, um, I said, you know, just give yourself some time. It's taking a while to get this update for this new version of you. So now I talk about this idea of the versions of ourselves, right? I speak about it often because I do recognize that with more information and with more experience, we get to that next version of ourselves. And so Sam Altman, ChatGPT was talking about like ChatGPT4 and how it does all these things. Now I've never used ChatGPT, um, but I do recognize that like it's gotten better every update, every upgrade, right? Um, and we do too, potentially, if we are actively working on updating our, our emotional software. And 
you know, really recognizing that we have the ability, if we choose <laughs> to um, update how we process and deal with emotion. And like I said, most people come into my office, not when things are great, but when they are struggling and they are looking for one, an empathetic ear to you know, kind of just hear their narrative and what's going on with them, but also to get new tools and skills to be able to do things differently, if not better than the original programming. And so now I have this, this new language, right, of programming, because I've been talking about different versions of ourselves, you know, this whole time. So all of this conversation and all of these things are happening around me. And I happened to um, come across a, a feed, a friend of mine had posted something on his Instagram, and he was like, would your 16-year-old self be proud of you? Um, and he and I talk about this, you know, kind of concept often, whatever. Um, and so I was like, okay, get in touch with your 16-year-old self, because that, that version of me uh, is still one that kind of shows up and has feelings, blah, 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 whatever. So I pulled out pictures, and I looked at this one picture of me. And so if you look at my Instagram story, um, specific to the recording for today, it shows 17-year-old me when I was in Spain. Um, anyway, that the first picture is one of the pictures of my youth that I felt really beautiful. And I mean, I have this face and all the things and not any of us like, you know, see ourselves as whatever, however we see ourselves. But in that picture specifically, I remember feeling so beautiful. And I remember feeling really sad for a lot of reasons. Um, I've shared with you guys before. My dad died when I was 16. Uh, it was May of 1989. Um, and yeah, so 1990, I'm in Spain in July, take this picture captured on film. I have like the hard picture of it, <laughs> the actual physical copy. Um, and so I'm looking at her and I am flooded with all of these emotions, right? And I remember the messages that I told myself, that 17-year-old version of me. And so, you know, really looking at who she was and what kind of hardwired into my brain at the time. Um, and there were a lot of, there was a lot of other programming prior to that, but looking at that picture really did uh, shift something for me. And I give the assignment often to new clients specifically when we are kind of shifting awareness uh, to take a picture of their childhood self. And it's really hard to be mean to a kid <laughs> and especially a kid version of you, right? And so I have a picture of seven-year-old me on my desk. Um, hadn't looked at a picture of 17-year-old me in a long time. And so when we think about this idea of reprogramming or changing our perspective in how we deal with our own emotions, we have to kind of get in touch with those versions of ourselves, those prior versions. Um, and so in these conversations, there were so many things that came up to really think about how we process our emotions and what tools we are using in order to do that. And as we have access to more information, um, either historically or presently, or you know, considering what we wanna do in the future, we can integrate new information. And sometimes we have to work the kinks and bugs out of an update. And so thinking about this idea of updates, it's, it's really just what happens in our experience that changes our perspective. 
and most people don't recognize that they are getting new information all the time. And it's a really kind of a different way of looking at how we treat ourselves emotionally um, to get to that place of loving yourself completely so that you're not seeking that external validation, doing all the extra things for acceptance, validation, and love. Now, I talk about codependency often, and I talk about, you know, detachment often because it is so important to recognize what our behavior is that is not serving us to get that connection. And if that is our goal, which it is, like it's our human experience to want to connect with other people, then we have to really recognize what information we started with and where we are going in the future to be able to adapt in a healthy way so that we can build that connection, understanding, and love. So um, I was talking, again, most of my friends are my age, if not maybe 10 years younger. And um, really thinking about the fact that we grew up like big, hunky, like Mac computers. Um, and now we carry computers in our hands. I'm talking to you on a phone, which, you know, I'm doing a video live with all the things. It's very mind blowing when you really break it down, but we get so used to things consistently and we just do it, right? Like I remember getting my first cell phone. I think it was 1997. Um, it had a separate battery to vibrate. It was a whole thing. Um, and I talk to people at different ages and stages in their life. Um, and I love talking to teenagers because they're just really entertaining humans. Um, and so they have grown up with cell phones their whole life. Like they don't know anything different not to have one. Uh, so much so that it's kind of fun to watch them with like a rotary phone because they don't know what to do with it. Um, all those record players are super in again. Fanny packs are super in again, and that was the other reason I had pulled out these pictures is because we were talking about a fanny pack, and like I had one in 1990, and I took it with me to Europe, and it was giant, um, and now they're a thing again, and I find that very interesting. And back to this idea of programming. <laughs> um, we integrate new information, and then we process it cognitively. And for those of us who are very emotional humans, we process it emotionally. And sometimes those feelings are really big and overwhelming. And depending on how we were programmed originally to deal with feelings as children, we may maybe struggle to do that in a healthy way. Um, and, you know, one of the episodes is responding versus or reacting versus responding. Um, and so I've talked about it. Big anger family, lots of reaction, <laughs> all the things. Um, and so I've learned to kind of tamp that down and manage it better, whatever. Um, but part of that is seeking out new information. Part of that is talking to other people. Part of that is getting a whole ass counseling degree and then working as a counselor slash therapist, um, you know, for the last 10 years and really working with human beings so that they can start to align their head and their heart or their cognition and, you know, processing with their emotional processing. And part of that awareness is really honoring what you're feeling. That is hard to do. And most people want to distract. They want to not process their feelings. It feels overwhelming. Sometimes their feelings are super big. And, you know, if they grew up with a lot of anger, uh, they don't want to respond or react in that way. And so to the point of codependency that we shove that emotional stuff down, right? Or our instinct is saying, like, this is probably not a good idea, or I don't like how that feels. We shove that down. We're like, we're not going to rock the boat. We're not going to create any conflict. We're just going to stay 
as even keel as possible. And if you grow up with a lot of chaos or a lot of challenge, you're going to want to, um, you know, smooth things over. You're going to be the peacemaker. You're going to be the people pleaser. You're going to just say yes all the time. And then you're exhausted and reacting unhelpfully in other situations. And so really considering that we have the ability to adapt. We do all the time and we have this, this kind of instinct to just kind of move through the world, gathering new information and how you plug it in, totally up to you. But when we think about the idea of like therapy or, um, you know, integrating new information, reading, like I'm a super curious human. I'm going to go down rabbit holes. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Like that is who I am as a human being. And because I really enjoy, you know, kind of participating in the human experience, my, you know, my fascination with it has led me to this place where I can sit with humans and be like, tell me how that feels or what is going on there? Like what, how did we get to this place? Right. And so when they start to break it down, even just verbally out loud with another human, they start to see patterns. They start to recognize, oh, I didn't realize like my parents did this thing and I do this thing and this is, and, and then where it came from, right? Like putting that all together so that they can go, what do I want to do differently? How do I want to integrate an update and reprogram my brain and my heart so that I can do things better? so that I can create some space and peace for myself, so that I can start to love me better, right? And I talk about loving better often because it's so foundational to getting past that hurdle of codependency. We all do it. It's a human experience to want to have other people in our lives. And if we can do it in a way that honors us first, then then we can do it better and teach other people how to do it well, how to love us as we love ourselves. We talk about self-love often. And I say we as like me and my, you know, counselor buddies, uh, my accountability buddies specifically, because she and I talk about, you know, and have created this loving better concept. Um, but it is about reprogramming our brain. So we have to be aware of the programming to begin with. We have to recognize Oh, I get it. This is where I learned that habit that was unhelpful and looking at the past versions of ourselves, looking at how we used to do it before now, and then did that work? Sure, it worked at the time and sometimes it kept us safe. Sometimes it kept us just afloat enough to like get to the next level. I was talking to my daughter last night and she was talking about, you know, how to kind of adapt her brain to new information um, and I was talking about this idea of like driving and sometimes we have a little detour. Um, we have a, a little hiccup or, or a situation that we want to handle better. And so rather than stopping and just being like, my whole day is ruined because traffic, my whole day is ruined because detour, um, really recognizing like detours happen and it's fine. Um, and managing myself, managing my expectations so that I can get around to my destination and really recognizing what is your destination. Well, for most of us, the destination is having better relationships and a better relationship with ourselves. And so that is where we get to reprogram. That is where we get to, you know, download some more information, either seek it out or read about it or watch a TikTok. Who knows? Like information is so ubiquitous now. And so, you know, 
thinking about that idea, right? This time that we live in right now, we have access to literally everything. Um, and, you know, even in other places with, you know, less resources and all the things, they still have access to information. And when I think about, you know, my parents who grew up with also encyclopedias, <laughs> um, and then prior to that, like, people only had the tools they had. And it's not like they chose to, you know, kind of bring us up and, and ruin us, right? Nobody's ruined. Um, even with trauma, even with terrible things, nobody is ruined. What I know to be true is people are adaptable. People pivot. People have the amazing ability to be resilient past really difficult tragedy, past really difficult things, past things that they could not imagine getting past. So then I started thinking about my trip, right? I've been to the top of the Acropolis five times, which sounds awesome, and it is, and yet. <laughs> um, cool thing about the top of the Acropolis is you climb up this very tall hill, um, and here are these incredible ruins, right? And they're in the middle of Athens, which is a huge metropolitan city, and it has all kinds of really cool things, and yet they've preserved these historic monuments to you know, a version of Grecian culture before now. Um, going to Italy and thinking about World War II and places that were bombed and decimated and Pompeii and blah, blah, blah. Um, I could see Mount Vesuvius from uh, Sorrento, which is where I was a year ago, like today. Um, and thinking about like that idea, right? This planet has been decimated and blown up and all the things, and yet human beings continue to persevere. We are so incredibly resilient. We are so incredibly capable of adaptation to situations. And what I know to be true is when you can go inside yourself and love this version of you the best you can and see the previous versions of you and love all of your parts at the same time, you will be less likely to feel unworthy and undeserving of positive things. You will be less tolerant of behavior that does not align with where you are and where you're going, right? But it takes that awareness and not all of us have that right away. Like, yeah, once you learn that a stove is hot, you'll stop putting your hand on it. But you have to, somebody's gotta say, hey, don't touch that. And then you gotta figure it out and then you do. Um, we program people how to treat us. And if we tolerate unhelpful behavior, that unhelpful behavior will persist. Once we start to feel like, I don't, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. Um, or actually, I'm really angry and I'm frustrated with you. And you keep doing all of these things. And, you know, like I've told you before, boundaries is not about changing other people's behavior. It's about changing what you tolerate. It's about changing what you are willing to accept when you recognize that you deserve something else. Um, and it's it seems like theoretically, like that would be instinctual, but it's not. You know, if we grow up and our original programming is make yourself small, don't rock the boat, conflict is bad, feelings are not helpful, then that is what you take into the next version of yourself. And 
when you can start to go, I don't like the way this feels, right? And usually it's an update. <laughs> usually it's a really uncomfortable situation. Every time I have to update my computer, I have to restart it, right? And uh, sometimes that takes time, totally fine. But we get the opportunity to restart how we interact. And if we get an update that is unhelpful, we have to work out the bugs in it first. And sometimes those updates are really devastating. Sometimes those updates are really hard. And what I know to be true is if you get to that level of discomfort where you just not, cannot take it anymore, you will seek out another way to do it. And you can start to learn how to reprogram your brain and your heart so that you can do things differently, so that it does not feel as uncomfortable as it has felt in the past. These conversations that I was having with the people that I care about was, yes, yeah, sparked by this, you know, podcast, Trevor Noah, what now? It's awesome. Um, but really recognizing that, you know, when we continue to love ourselves and really embrace who we are and really like who we want to be, we continue to like grow and move forward and change things, not just for us. Sometimes it's multi-generational change. Sometimes it's intergenerational change. Sometimes it's, you know, having conversations with your friends or with your people, siblings, whatever. It's having conversations with your parents. It's having conversations with your kids. It's changing things because now we have access to so many more tools. We have access to so much more information that if we wanted to change it, we could. I'm not going to say change is easy because as I've told you before, it is not. It is very challenging <laughs> and it is possible to do things differently. And as we continue to grow and change, like it's, it's kind of interesting now. <laughs> um, I have 10,000 downloads to the podcast, which is phenomenal to my brain because when we started it in, tw in 2019, when I started it with Kat, um, we just started having conversations. Like we were just like, well, let's, we're funny. Let's, let's have some conversations. Um, and now it's grown to this thing. And, you know, now I've written a book and now I'm writing another one and all of these things are happening. And I continue to have people who choose to come and get different information, who choose to even again, in the most tragic of circumstances, come to my office and say, I am uncomfortable and I want to do things differently. And so I am super grateful for everybody who's listening, everybody who watches these, everybody who, you know, wants to do things differently, who's seeking out that information, who gets on Google and says, what is codependency? Do I have it? Um, you know, how do I manage my anxiety? How do I get past this depression? How do I deal with this tragic loss? Like, I truly love the time that we live in because we have access to new information. And as we get more information, we can change how we do things and we can do it better. We can do it better for ourselves first and then do it better for if we're raising littles or if we're having relationships and we want to have better relationships, we get to choose how we do that. 100% up to you and the things that we can control, as I've shared with you before, our choices and our behavior. But if we choose to put ourselves first, to manage that discomfort, we can actually grow and learn how to do things better and differently. And I am so grateful to be part of that process. And I say grateful all the time, like often, probably all the time, um, because when people come into my office, they are looking for that tool, that set of tools, that you know awareness and 
then they can start to program differently. They can unlearn some of the things that they that don't work anymore and learn new things to be able to be the best version of themselves. And so I talk about the versions often because each season of our life, we go through different things. And I look at 17-year-old me, so grateful that she was strong enough to get through those things, to get me to this place. So there's your nugget. Um, again, 10,000 downloads is mind-blowing to me. <laughs> um, you know, people are listening all over the world. And I, I am just, um, I'm humbled often to be able to come on here and to have conversations with you guys, to be able to recognize that now people are going out and having conversations with other people. They are starting to be aware of the fact that they can do it differently. And loving yourself first is the most important part, even if you don't know what the hell you're doing and you don't know how to do it. It's, it's possible and, you know, Google is awesome. And I, this is not endorsed by Google. <laughs> if you want to use Bing, knock yourself out. That's a little bit weird. Um, anyway, there's your nugget. Thank you so much to everyone who is listening and watching. Um, thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your day to participate in this conversation. And I will talk to you soon. Take care. All right, I have ended the video and I am going to end uh, the podcast. Thank you again to everyone who is listening. I am just humbled and grateful as we continue to grow this platform and grow the conversation and really recognize that, you know, we can change things if we want to. We just have to choose, you know, to program it differently. I will talk to you soon. Take care.